I guess we have the All Blacks way. You've got to win or you go home. Hit it hard to start with because we have to. Pressure can be your friend. People can make selfish decisions that aren't in the best interest of the team. I've learned that. Sometimes I care too much. The world has become really difficult. Where do I sit in this new world? How should I be? People see through you really quickly if you're not authentic. I'm so overwhelmed. I said, boys, be quiet. They can easily spiral out of control. The standard you walk past is the standard you accept. You have the responsibility to demonstrate the culture that you want. Welcome to Lead On Purpose. I'm James Lachlan, former seven-time world champion musician and now executive coach to global leaders and high performers. In every episode, I bring you an inspiring leader or expert to help you lead your life and business on purpose. Thanks for taking the time to connect today and investing in yourself. Enjoy the show. We can all agree that one of the greatest teams on the planet of all time is the All Blacks. Look, we've had two episodes where we've sat down with Darren Shand, a manager at the All Blacks for two decades. This is the third and final episode, and I know many of you have been waiting for this. We're going to look at team culture. We're going to look at the All Blacks way. You're in for a real treat. Please sit back and enjoy the show. Well, Darren, a huge welcome back. It's a third of uh, three sessions. It's, a, it's been amazing last few sessions. I'm so excited for today, but thanks again for making all this time available. No problem. It's amazing. You're getting ready to head over to France and to Europe uh, for the World Cup. Yeah. It's going to be a special one. It's uh, your last one in the camp. Yeah. Uh, what does it mean to you, this last one? Um, well, in a lot of ways, it's just got to be business as usual, you know. Um, World Cups are a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just hope the, the fact I've been through four um, gives me a bit of IP that will be valuable to the group, you know, because um, you... You can anticipate a lot of what's going to happen, having been through a lot. Um, I know in France it will have its all its own challenges, and so I'll, and I'll be at the forefront of managing a lot of those. Yeah, <laughs> um, because they can easily spiral out of control in a, in a place like that. But um, again, that's a it's just something to look forward to. You know, like that. It just it, it it seems like a long time when you look at it on a piece of paper, but it's actually a, it's so rapid. You get into it, and it's like week, 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 week. Um, it's it's keeping your people healthy, you know, mm-hmm. not not physically, but mentally healthy, because it's a it's a little bit of a marathon in some ways. Mm-hmm. And um, you, you know, we enter it, and we've got a massive game to start with against the French, and then we've got some other matches that we'd be expected to win. And kind of got this period of waiting until you go to the period where it's you've got to win or you go home. Um, so it's quite a different. Uh, you got to take a different mindset, I guess, into mm-hmm. something like that, and um, just build slowly. Uh, Hit it hard to start with because we have to, but then yeah. recharge again, reconnect, you know, almost compartmentalize it so that they become pieces. And you, um, I guess you always, like when you're rehabbing an athlete or something, you, you don't want to get too far ahead. It's like, what's the immediate goal? You know, what's, what's this week look like? Let's just nail that. Then, you know, break it down, um, make it shorter. Don't set the horizons too far. You know, uh, it's very easy to get ahead of yourself because you get overwhelmed and anxious. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, very much about now, winning moments. Uh, coaches talk a lot about winning moments and you've got to do that everywhere on and off the field. You know? So um, Rather than winning a whole campaign, it's like we've got a moment that's right here, yeah. let's win that. You've got to be the best every day in the tournament. You know, it doesn't. Nothing else matters. It doesn't pry form, um, reputation. You know, people turn up at World Cups and do extraordinary things at mm-hmm. times like um, because they're fueled by the, 
the magnitude of the world stage. Yeah, of course. Um, so you have to be you have to be ready for that. We've been caught out uh, with that at times. Uh, the French have done that to us in yeah. uh, '99 and in 2007. Um, Australia did it to us in '03. So um, things happen. Yeah, Japan beat South Africa. You know, that so was like nobody expected that. <laughs> yeah. Right? So uh, that's what happens in World Cups. Yeah. So um, every yeah, it, it all matters and. Um, yeah, we get on and you, you enjoy the uh, different lifestyle that you're going to live and um, you, you make the most of that because um, that's a that's a rich experience in itself. So, um, and we'll be in places that we're not normally to, so getting new new experiences and uh, new things to try and um, and well set up to succeed. I love it. It's exciting. In our last episode, we were talking about two key things that really shape people, teams, organizations, and those two things were leadership and culture. Mm-hmm. Now, arguably, anywhere I travel in the world, and any company I talk to, any leader, the All Blacks come up in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Often, if I'm delivering a keynote, I would struggle to go through a keynote without mentioning mm-hmm. All Blacks culture, mm-hmm. because it's it's inspiring. But the one thing that's really different about it is it's been so consistent mm-hmm. over a long term. To me, that's high performance. You're doing something above the standard norms yeah. over the long term. Yeah. Okay, so let's chat about culture. How, what's happened to the culture over the last 20 years? And what shapes culture from from your point of view? Oh, it's a it's a yeah, it's a never ending question, isn't it? Like <laughs> cultures are like a culture's an everyday thing, not a sometimes thing. Okay. You know, it's it, everyday matters. Um and it can it can rise and fall um pretty quickly. Um what does one of those and fall on? Sorry, Andrew. Ah, uh, it's it's one of those intangibles, like behaviors can shift it, you know. Um principles that aren't adhered to and um, people walking past things that they would normally not allow you to walk past, you know. Um, suddenly Mr. Complacency is on the shoulder rather than Mr. Um, you know, I've got to get better this week. Um, independent over dependent. Mm-hmm. Things like that change. Um, you know, we, we as a staff, you know, we've got a big stuff. We can we can make the players too de- dependent on us by yeah. our actions, you know. And so that shifts the culture. Um Obviously, people can make selfish decisions that aren't in the best interest of the team, that compromise team, and that shifts culture. Um, could be the wrong person in the wrong seat on the bus. That yeah. can that can shape culture. Might be the most talented, but is uh, uh, you know, deflects from the culture, won't abide by the culture. And so we, we've had a way. I guess we have the All Blacks way. There's a way of doing it. Um, we say, you join us, we don't join you. Mm. And that, that's, uh, I guess that's at the essence of it. When you come in, this, we, we do it a certain way. And it's um, not rules per se. No, it's not rules. It's no. a way. It's a way. Yeah, it's uh, it's behaviours, yeah. it's actions, uh, it's attitudes, um, and that yeah, it's hard to write it down because it's uh, you feel it because it's an intangible, and you feel it. It is intangible. Right. Yeah. Um, for, by example, um, let's say one of the the big things we just talked about rules is that we try not to run a catch out culture. Okay, we run a catch up culture. So. Um, was exposed to a book called Without Locks and Bars a long time ago, which talked about a, a prison in the States where they took away the locks and the bars and the reform rate improved out of sight, you know, because they weren't trying to catch people out. They're trying to make them better people. So I think that's a that's always been a, you know, I guess that's been at the core of it. Um, you know, probably the most talked about part about the Orbex is the we over me. Yes. Uh, and we, we talked about it in one of those earlier episodes, isn't it? But the, the notion that we help each other get better, irrespective of who's, Got the jersey for the week. That, that's 
we as above me, you know, there's no I in team. How does that happen? Because ego's huge. We've all got a level of ego. Mm-hmm. And in professional sport and in business, for whoever's listening on that side, ego's a huge thing. How do you get three people who are in the same position who are vying for that one opportunity to play on Saturday? How do you get to the point where you can say, hey guys, we're going to like tone down the personal ego, maybe even remove it. And you're going to be doing everything to make sure the best player gets selected, even if it's not you. Mm. Yeah, I think your leaders have to shape and drive that. Like they've got to demonstrate that they can do that. So if you're one of the three and you're the leader, well, that, that's your responsibility. That's the All Black way. You know, um, you know, it's interesting. You know, we've talked a little bit about you know one of our players, Sam Whitelock, and um, when when things were about to finish, and I was told I you know probably not going to be needed going forward. Um, we talked about what what should that look like, and he immediately said to me, "You've got to do it the all black way. You know, you've got to be elegant." <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, like that, that's it. That. You know, it's like you know, you don't join us, we join you." And um, that becomes, I don't know, it becomes imprinted on you. That, mm. that, that's the way it has to be done. Um, you know, similarly, if you if you have a way, you've got to hold people to account. You know, like we, um, Steve Hansen was great with that, that saying. You know, um, the standard you walk past is the standard you accept, yeah. and um, so. Is a drop ball good enough at training? And should no one say anything about it? Of course they should, because that's a performance question, you know, and we need better. You can't train like, you know, train like Jane and play like Tarzan yeah. because people won't trust you because they won't know what you're going to get, you know. Um, then you don't want to be a person that trains like Tarzan and plays like Jane either because then you're not probably mentally ready. So um, that, that's, that's those have become important features. Um, some other, other things I've loved around is intention. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Having a culture where intention is about really taking yourself to a high level. So, um, you know, like high performance, if you look at the highest end, you've got people like surgeons, um, pilots, where, where, or military people where there's decisions that are crucial. So where do we sit on that continuum? Well, probably a good business would maybe a 7 out of 10, you know. Uh, um, uh, a high-performing business, maybe an 8. A world-class, 9. All right, so the context is... 100, which is surgeon, you know, like if you asked a surgeon to perform, you want him at 100% every day, you know, because he's make his, he's got skin in the game. But so how do you intentionally take yourself to that place, even though you're never going to get there? But how do you set up your culture to be at that level, you know? Um, so if you talk about intention there, is it turning up? No, that's, that's very low intention, isn't it? You know, is it, is it just turning up to train? Well, that's not high either. Is it, is it turning up to compete? No, that's not good enough either. Is it, um, is it training to win? Yes. Is it training to lead? Yes. Is it training to dominate? Like that's intention that's very high. And so um, we know in the culture we've got to have a lot of people in that in that box. You know, we've got to drive people up to that that level of um, of expertise. Um, we also know in the culture that we've got to work a lot on the individual, get get all the aspects of them as an athlete right, but for the team's benefit, not so much for their benefit. Yes, there'll be some benefit for them. Of course, there will be, but. In essence, it's about how do we shape them to be the best they can be so that the team, the team succeeds. Um, so if, if I'm looking at a, a player individually, we might look at, and this is where language becomes important. Um, they've got certain aspects to the game that they're probably really good at. Um, and we as Kiwis, we tend to take the, oh, I'm not good at that, so I'm going to work really hard at that. Um, and what we've found over the years is that often if people do that, they do it at the expense of things they're really good at. Yes. And, um, uh, and so I remember an example back in the um, the late 2000s where the game changed and 
suddenly there was a new skill set for our backfield players where they had to catch high ball like, and had to jump high and catch it. Like, that was never in the game in the past, like Australian rules, really. It was a whole new skill. So our, so those players, typically their strengths would be they're fast, um, they are evasive, they can beat people one-on-one, and they usually score all the tries. Well, that season they scored no tries and got slow because they spent the whole time just practicing catching <laughs> high ball. And that's all they did at skills training. You know, it was a really classic example. We've got to balance, we've got to get the balance right here. You know, like if you're supposed to run fast and you've got to, you've got to, you can, you can grow that, you know, um, as well as let's just pick one thing that you can work on and let's see if we can shift that from a strength to something that you're, you're better at. You know, I'll take it from a, I don't like to use the word weakness, but how can we address that and, and push it a little higher up the curve? So, uh, that's that's been a really important part of the culture, just really nailing, again, we've talked critical few, but nailing the critical few for each individual that but has the team at heart in terms of their role. Um, uh, another another piece of work that um, had a big influence was a work by a German scientist called Ringelmann. Okay. Uh, and he, he did a tug-of-war experiment back in the early 1900s where he looked at um, people pulling on a rope and measuring the force. And as he added more people to the rope, people made less effort. Interesting. And so he came up with this, um, he coined this saying, um, social loafing. <laughs> so in teams, you get social loafers. People who, because they're part of a team, they don't feel they have to work as hard. So Darren, hey, you've got this. I'll just sit in the back and chill. Yeah. You've got the, you've yeah, got yeah. more strength than me. That's and right, I, yeah. I won't so I could see it in like a leadership meeting, for example, if, um, you know, Richie McCall was so well respected. If he spoke early, a lot of the other players would be, mm, like the goat spoken, like, you know, I, I, and yet I knew some of the others had great ideas, but just out of respect, they wouldn't say it. So, we, we had a discussion, we had to change our structure, you know, because we knew there was, we needed more, you know, um, because we had social loafing going on. And so completely restructured meetings so that people could talk in small groups first and then share their ideas. So we heard from everyone, you know, and suddenly we went from that to that. You know? uh, and that gives you the extra 1% edge on Yeah, it just, we're just getting, you're getting the whole spectrum, you mm. know. Um, as much as, you know, Richie, most of the times is 99.9% right. In. Yeah. <laughs> it was just good just, you know, the, I think culturally to open yourself up to the fact that, you know, that, that happens in teams, you know, um, and you need, you know, you need all 15 to be seeing themselves at the same level. Um, so that, that's, those are, those are probably some of the big factors I've seen sort of over the years that we've really driven and, and we use the language about, um, that, you know, to, to keep, keep the culture where it needs to be um it's something you've got to constantly test to and um, audit and check on um you know we use a lot of what the military do a lot is hot, what they call hot debriefing where they they just capture things frequently and, and just keep keep turning that that cycle of you know um discuss agree execute review discuss and just that just keep rolling it rolling it rolling it so um because culture can shift so quickly without you knowing if you don't, you know, keep a check on it. So um, it's one of those things that just constantly probe it. We use a lovely little saying: um, "What are we singing at? What are we humming at? What are we clunking at?" As a <laughs> as a little audit, you know, from time to time. I yeah. love it. You know, you've got your classics, you know, your keep top start and those types of things. But um, yeah, just little little audits like that are um, really helpful in terms of just keeping it in front of mind. And cause sometimes it's a thing you feel. Um, and you, you've got to keep being quite observational about it and looking and uh, making sure that it's on track. As you might be aware, recently we made the decision to remove all adverts and promotions from the podcast. Why? Well, your listening experience is my priority. 
So we decided to remove them all and in return, I've got a very small favor to ask of you. If you enjoy the podcast and the incredible guests that we bring on, can you please follow and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify? Please also leave me a rating and review. The reason this is so important is the more ratings, reviews, and followers I get, the more the show is promoted to other incredible people like you who really get lots of value from the show. So please do that. And also, massive ask, please share this with three other people in your life. Share the show with them directly. Copy and paste the link. Tell them you've got to listen to Lead on Purpose. I hope that it impacts their lives and it really helps me to grow the show. So I really appreciate it. And let's get back to the show. Do you think as a team or an organization grows and they're growing at speed and, you know, let's take it from a business standpoint, do you think there's challenges with culture when a team exponentially grows and multiplies in numbers? Oh, yeah, 100% because it's in the end, as, as we found out, we're a small group and we get buy-in and we, and we head on in, don't we? Um, but ultimately, it's still, it all falls back on leadership because uh, you have the responsibility to demonstrate the culture that you want, yeah. first and foremost. You know, that's, that's it because you can't hide from the fact that people look to you and uh, you've been given a position <laughs> sometimes um, and that, that, that comes with it. That, for me, that's first. You know, that's, you're given that, so that's that, that's that accountability. You've got to, one, you've got to believe in it, two, you've got to show it, and three, you've got to hold people to, hold people to it. You know? So um, that becomes the essence of, of good culture. Mm-hmm. And for someone who's maybe starting out as a team or organization and they're going, okay, we don't really, we haven't talked about culture, but mm. you know, we've got a passive culture that's kind of starting to create itself. Mm. If they were to start going, okay, how do we establish guiding principles mm. for culture? What suggestions might you have for them? Well, I think in the end, you've got to find that one thing that um, really defines what you're about. Um, and I think every organization needs that and it has to be something big. Well, not, not necessarily big, but it's got to be something that, that pulls you, you know, doesn't push you, pulls you towards it. And um, that's always been, you know, for us, that's because we, as I said, we talk about legacy and, yeah. and performance. They become the things that, that drive that. So the decisions then become, and if I talked about, like, if I said, had to summarize the all black culture as, you know, self, self-reliance, decision making under pressure like that's we need a culture where that's front and center so um as a starting point it's going what do we need and and how do we want it to look and what will that mean for this business and what is this business really about you know at at its essence if you peeled everything back what does this business do and um that's the starting point you know Mm -hmm. and then you just got to build your layers and um, decide what it is keep it simple um and, and find ways to connect to that purpose. You know, I think there's always got to be something greater than you that pulls you, you know? Yeah. yeah. I like that thought of being almost magnetized, pulled towards it rather mm-hmm. than forcing yourself to have to yeah. move towards it. Yeah. Uh, we had a, no, recently we, um, we had this notion of the goat, you know, the greatest of all time. And it was a vision that we would never say about ourselves, but we wanted, wanted others to. Yeah. And then that kind of had its day. Uh, and, new coach, different views. And we had this other concept and um, we put it there, but we just couldn't really get the pull to it. 
And it's been interesting in the, in the last couple of years, we've, we've sort of kept it there, but we found these other threads that led towards it. And now it's become incredibly, the without actually saying that, what we've created is actually going to deliver that, you know, Incredible. Um, because, we've, because we've kept paying attention to it. You know, we haven't let it, it's like, okay, well, they haven't really bought this overall concept, but we still feel that's the right, that's how people used to see us, you know, and maybe we've lost a little bit, but how do we recreate that? So I just, it's one of those things like you're on that road and you're not quite sure if it's the right road to be on, but you just got to keep, and, and high performance, you have to, you have to keep finding, you know, other ways to connect to it because um, we believed in it Yeah. first and foremost. We believed that was the right way. Um, maybe it wasn't presented well enough or we, but now that we've found some other side roads that actually lead to that, it's like, wow, and now it's starting to, rumble it's like the flow it's actually now the water's starting to really drive the wheel uh and it's, it's all heading to that and and i, I think if, if we're successful this year people will say that about us you know even though we haven't not even using that word now because it hasn't we've had to capture it in a different way it's incredible yeah. and you've been there with the all blacks for 20 years when you look back on that what have you learned about yourself over that time period oh what have i learned about me oh um I care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I care. I care a lot for this team. You know, like um, I, I have massive belief in them. Like, there's not a day I haven't sat on the bench, which I have the privilege of doing for every game, and not thought we were going to be successful. You know, I, I very rarely. I, I think maybe in 250 test matches, maybe one or two times, I wasn't wow. sure. But I just had belief. I just had belief. Yeah, I just always had belief that we'd get there. Yeah. Um, so I'm really disappointed if we don't. <laughs> like, wow, put him in there. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've, I've learned that. Um, sometimes I care too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what do you mean by that? Um, probably just go too hard at something and lose sight of the why, you know, mm-hmm. um, and put too much pressure on myself to deliver something that actually doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, uh, and so I think you know. I, I feel like it's almost like I've started in the trees, and now I'm above the trees a lot more than I was before. Like I still can go into the trees and roll my sleeves up and do the mahi, but more I find my perspective being above and reflective and looking and future focused and consequence based. Um, much more of that, and um, and much more with others trying to take them from where I was to where I am. So um, seeing the mistakes I made and seeing those in people and say, well, actually, if I can shortcut that and get them moving quicker through a different path, then that's that's going to be better for them, you know, because I, they'll benefit from the errors that I've made, you know. 100%. So um, that's that's been a, a big lesson. Um, had to learn to be courageous uh, as a leader, um, to stand up for what I believe in, um, and and yeah, um, the world has be- become really difficult. Um, you know, with the the Me Too revolution, the um, well, New Zealand rugby was put through the ringer around um, behaviour of people and things like that. Um, the dealing with all the preconceived biases people have around inclusion and diversity and yeah. all of those sorts of things. Um, it's become a really you know, you get a little bit lost with all of that because it's all 
we're dealing with it in a gray phase where it's not normal and we're sort of stuck in between. Um, and so you're constantly battling that. Where do I sit in this new world? You know, and how should I be? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I guess because my role is more broad than just the team and I'm dealing with, I've got all those issues that float around around the game that can impact on us. So what's my perspective on that? How do I see that? Um, How do you get that perspective challenged? Because we talked in a previous episode about blind spots. We've all got things we don't see in ourselves. How do you make sure that you have other people out here challenging that and shaping that perspective? I think in the first instance, the the key leadership group that I sit in, that has to be the forum where I take those conversations. And um, and they can be, yeah, that can be robust. <laughs> and it can be challenging. Um, and and sometimes you have to use others to help you. You know, it might, it might be that I have to use players to who get it that maybe someone else doesn't and say, well, actually, come on, we've got to, this conversation's got to go wider here. You know, we've got to look at this through a different lens. Um, yeah, I look at the, let's be straight up we'll look at the women's rugby and the men's rugby thing and how where we sit relative to the black ferns and all that that's been hard to deal yeah. with you know because it feels like we've kind of been not put down but like they've been elevated and we're not used to that so how do we how does that all work now um like we love their success you know and we want to we, we both can help each other um but just dealing with some of the past like we all have these biases and it's sometimes it's hard to shift you know they've had nothing for so long i'm like well, unless we give them something for quite a while, it won't change, you yeah. know, and um, it'll just be the same. So we have to do that. Um, but, yeah, it's it's fascinating battles, uh, internal battles, but, like, uh, I love it. Um, and then what you get the greatest from um, is seeing seeing some of those things through, you know. Um, this, this past year we had an idea presented to us around manakitanga, so the act of giving and raising other people and... Um, and I just had a feeling that this was a beautiful concept that linked so closely with who we were. And so just taking that, taking that into our environment, which was seen as a marketing concept for the mothership versus <laughs> actually something that was about us, you know, like, um, and the person who came up with the creative idea wasn't Māori. So we, we then deal, got to deal with that whole notion as well. Um, but then now seeing the benches going into 26 communities, Incredible. seeing the impact it has, um, seeing players say to me, I want to go to that community because that meant something to me. I'm like, wow, like this is about us, you know? Amazing. Like, um, so yeah, that there's always that, yeah, I guess there's always, um, you know, the ocean's not flat and glassy with the sun beaming on it every day, you know? Yeah. And you got to ride the rough days with the bad days. And, uh, again, I, yeah, I go back to that, that four agreements for me really helped me and my leadership of just, you got to roll with the punches. You got to, there's going to be tough conversations, but don't take it personally. Just think about, keep thinking about the point of this and the outcome of this and what it means for the team and not for you. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, you'd be more we than me, you know, in yeah. terms of how you take it mindset-wise. Um, uh, what I also learned that, you know, pressure can be your friend, you know. Pressure is not something to be scared of. Like, walk towards it. Like, um, i become way more decisive. I think, you know, um, used to procrastinate and get anxious and and actually just making decisions, but coming from a good place, um, of experience, um, of having done it, of, of perhaps bringing others with you in that decision. Um, all those things have really, really helped. Um, yeah. And I I realize in performance, it is how performance particularly there's uncomfortable times, Mm -hmm. but 
it, it actually needs that because the margins are so little that it has to be a little bit of um, recently we've been trying to define edge you know what is edge and because uh, when you have it you're in the house you know when you and don't edge is you not know. comfortable right edge no is, it's not discomfort it's not, with no but it's actually about you what you bring what your mindset is uh, that you're the only one that can bring edge yeah. <laughs> it's not it doesn't float you can't buy it you know <laughs> so it's created um, it is yeah and yeah. you create it yourself by what you do and how you do things every day so um yeah like, oh gosh just so many lessons uh i'm a different person from when i started you know like um i just saw my role in a certain way very functionally probably whereas i kind of see my role more globally now in terms of influence and um yeah love being able to move people and grow them you know both, both things actually yeah uh, and see them have success and um that's that's what i love about the leadership role now it's um i was really like good to great had a massive impression on me just around that whole notion of level five leadership and that i couldn't even know half those companies when i read them i was like they, they weren't even companies that i recognized you know i think gillette was might have been the only one that i knew and that their leaders weren't guys that wanted to be on the front page of the national business review or that that stirred something in me about actually I can be different. You know, I don't have to be the big guy out the front with a strong voice. Yeah, the influence and um, that there's lots of ways to lead. You know, and I, I really resonate that we've talked about it in the previous episode as well. Around there's a perception that leaders always lead from the front mm. and follow me. I've got this, mm. but actually, and I read it. Uh, it was one of uh, Nelson Mandela's scriptures and talking about leading from the back, mm. and he used this example of the sheepdog. And they got the sheep out in front yeah. and the sheepdog's here just yeah. laying on the ground flat. Yeah. The sheepdog gets up, the sheep then get alert. Yeah. Sheepdog just takes one step to the right yeah. and the, the sheep move over to the left. Yeah. But the sheep believe yeah. that they are leading. They, they don't, they don't know that they're that's being right, yeah, led. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's that quiet, reserved, yeah. controlled, yeah. measured leadership yeah. from the back. And I see a little bit in the way you're describing how you look at your own leadership. It's quiet. It's humble, but it's decisive and it's got intention with it. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, and I like, I love that analogy because I actually feel like, well, you can lead from the front or the back or in the middle. <laughs> Wherever yeah. you want to be, you can lead, you know, but you, you have to lead. If you see something, you got to say something. If you, um, because that's that's what's required of you, but um, it's how it's how you do it. It's the the why that's driving that uh, that become the, the key. Um, and I think people see through like, see through you really quickly if you're not authentic. You yeah. Know? And um, I've had leaders that aren't, and I've had leaders that have had very high ego and are bullies. Um, and people see through it. You know, like it is what it is. Um, and Sometimes you just have to tolerate it because position demands that person is in that space. But um, doesn't mean you have to lead. Doesn't mean that's the only way either. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and so yeah, you, you find your way and you, you build success through the way you have. And as you get more success, you believe in it more, don't you? And you you um, find it. Yeah, there's. I think there's times when we always we have to be sometimes front of house and sometimes we can be back of house. You know, like um, it's that becomes the art of leadership in the end when you can recognise when when you need to be and when you don't need to be and how you can be here versus how you can be here. Um, I had, a, I had a, a classic example yesterday with the players where um, I just needed to catch them for like two minutes to to do a, th- a shout out to our sponsors, you know, and I was really struggling to get their attention. I said, right, stop. You know? And they're like, oh, Shandy's going to speak. Look, boys, I just need two minutes of your attention here. 
And that'll stop us having a 30-minute function before we get on the plane to London. You know, like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Amazing. It was, like, it was just like, right, this is it, boy. You're like, I'm actually looking after you here, you know? <laughs> so you had to jump to the front stage. I jumped up in the change room and stood on the chairs and just said, boys, be quiet. <laughs> we need to film this, you know? I love it. And it was just like, context here. Come on, guys, I'm looking after you here. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to save you 30 minutes. I'm yeah. going to save you 30 minutes of small talk. Um, if you can just do a great message, give it lots of energy, you know? That's epic. The partners will love it, you know? <laughs> make it real, make it authentic, you know? And, uh, like, and that was different, you know? And I got down from it. I was like, wow, oh, that's not normally me, but, you know. But it had to be done. It had to be done, you know? Like, it wasn't going to happen. The right wouldn't have been good enough for us, you know. Wouldn't yeah. have been the all black way, you know. And that's that situational awareness that you have, no matter what type of leader. You're yeah. always aware of that situation. What's required yeah. of you? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's fascinating. Amazing. <laughs> uh, and it's funny. Like uh, I was thinking the other day, I had to. At the end of every game, we have a, a circle, and um, a lot of it's about the game and recognizing achievement and stuff. But there's always a little bit of logistics and what's happening next day. And every time I stand up there, I never speak well. You know, in front of that group, I'm so overwhelmed you know what i mean yeah. about that i can go and speak in front of i've spoken in front of 700 people at conferences been on big it's easy you know i get in that group and it's just, i don't know it just brings me you know it just humbles me you know yeah. just the fact that i'm standing there um and i'm most times i'm really sure of myself and my words and what i want to say and i always have to write notes you know and to remember what to say it's brilliant <laughs> but it's just i don't know just a, i guess it's the feel i have and the respect for that that circle and you know being in it and you know, and, and uh, hopefully another 11 more games, I won't ever be in it again, you know. Yeah. So, um, but it's, it's just, I think that kind of sums me up, you know, because they, they see the authenticness of me in, in those particular moments, you know. So. And that's that C word that you used mm. earlier, describing how you show up and why you show up, care, mm. you really care about them. Mm. When you step into that circle, you care. Mm. And often when we care a lot, mm. we can be nervous, we can be mm. a little overwhelmed. Mm. Mm. And I think people would see that in you for mm. sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think they found yesterday a little bit amusing when I <laughs> a little bit too with them. It's needed sometimes. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Darren, I've got just got two last questions for you. And uh, the first one is, you know, how would you describe in one word or just even two words how you feel about moving into the next phase of your career? Ah, oh, just excited. That's all it is at the moment. It's just, um, yeah, just coming into something with a um, belief and myself that I've never had really I wouldn't say I've never had that belief that deep belief that uh, that I can be impactful um, that I have a worth mm-hmm. um, and that people have told me I have a worth you know so it's reinforced in me that oh well, actually I do um, but I still want to be authentic me and in, in doing that so yeah just excited excited that I can take the direction that that I want to take versus kind of being shaped or defined by thing i'm part of you know? yeah so um yeah that's the bit that, bit that that i'm most looking forward to i'm excited to watch that journey as well mm. and having that freedom to do what you want with whoever mm. you want mm. it's incredible you've got so much value to add there's so many different people and groups and organizations it's going to be exciting to watch it over the next five years cheers now, one very last question okay <laughs> we fast forward many many years yeah. into the future and you are highly aware that it's your last day here on earth Someone very young, maybe a grandchild, comes into the room. Yeah. And they say, Darren, how can I lead my life on purpose? Yeah. What would you say to him? That's a really hard one. Really, really hard one. Uh, I've, I've, 
I thought it was the young me uh, that I was talking to. For me, it's around the belief, like the, the about that that inner self worth and knowing what that is for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard when you're young to know what that is, um, and it's hard to find. And maybe you never find it. I don't know, but um, it does set you up. You know, the people that I've seen succeed have that in bucket loads. You know, they have that real belief in themselves because on the high stage, you you have to because there's so much else thrown around you um, that you, you've got to have that, that that real inner belief about that you're worthy and that you can stand up here and be honourable and be the person that you want to be. So um, that's probably where I'd start. Yeah. It's really powerful. Well, thank you so much for sharing yeah, that. And all good. Huge thank you for creating all this space to share all of your lessons and your wisdom. It's been phenomenal. I know you're very welcome. Love it. Thank, thank you. you. Cheers. Cheers. Amazing. Thanks for tuning in today and investing in your own personal leadership. Please hit that subscribe button and I'd love if you'd leave me a rating and review. I've got some amazing guests lined up for you in the coming weeks. And leaders, it's that time to get out there and lead your life on purpose.